Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson, and it is a privilege and an honor to be here with you on this Tuesday. Here we are, right? February has begun, already on the 6th. I think, and we are just before the month of Adar. On this Friday, we start the month, actually, plural, of Adar. Joy. So today I'm going to do something a bit out there, and we're going to choose to talk about joy, because that's not really the word that's coming to many people's minds right now. I don't think a lot of people are saying, you know, I want to feel joy. When the world goes crazy, usually our reaction to that is to hunker in, get serious. Right? Joy is justified when things are amazing, right? You're marrying off your child and you actually like the person that your child is marrying, then you're feeling joy. But you go to a tragic a tragedy. A funeral, there's no joy, right? The natural reaction to something sad is sadness. But that's only part of the picture. Because throughout our history, we've learned, I wouldn't say the hard way, but the effective way, that the way to combat challenge is by having joy. And the joy obviously expresses itself differently at different stages and at different places. As King Solomon writes, there's a time and place for everything under the sun. But an underlying joy, an underlying optimism, an underlying simcha sachaim, a joy of life. Which is something I really feel that this year, more than in a while, um, we need to access. I mean, interesting, I'm thinking to myself that... As I'm talking, four years ago, it was in the month of Adar when COVID really came in and it was towards the end of the month, just before Pesach, that um, we went into lockdown. So I think then we were challenged it with Simcha as well. But there's no question that in our current climate, as in previous times in history, we're struggling to find the joy. Or to phrase it differently, we're not even sure we should be looking for joy. Is joy the appropriate reaction? And it's something that I think when we think of it, of it as individuals in our own lives, when we've been through hard times, I think of my own challenges. You know, each one of us has challenges. Nobody has a monopoly on challenges. But in our dark moments, what we've been through, whether it's a loss, whether it's a tragedy, whether it's a financial struggle, whether it's an act of violence, whatever it is that a human being has been through, at some stage, that question arises and says, okay, so when's the time for joy? For example, can I feel joy if I lost a loved one? Or is that dishonoring their legacy? Or is it honoring their legacy? And there's no question that, especially when there's loss, the initial reaction is and should be deep grief, sadness, pain. It's unnatural if it isn't, and it's actually in many ways 
dangerous because it's a, it's a part of the process that person has to go through. Often when I see, you know, when someone goes through loss, right away people will come and tell them be strong and the people will come and give the person who offers the loss, who suffered the loss will then be called upon to give an inspirational speech and they'll give this deep inspiration and wow and we're okay and we trust Hashem. And forgive me, uh, when, often when I see that, there's this part of me that says, okay, it didn't hit them yet. Because that's unnatural. There's a time. There's a time and place for declarations of, of joy and optimism, and we're not going to let it break. But there's also a time for, in Jewish law, to be an einen, which is told the funeral, shiva, shloshim, 11 months, 12 months. There's a process. But at some stage in the process, the joy question arises again and says, okay, when do I get a voice? Will I be back? Will you give me an opportunity to play my part? And that's when we really have to ask ourselves, four months after October 7th, after Simchas Torah, um, in the climate that we're in, as we're about to enter the month of Adar, getting stressfully close to Pesach, although this year there's two Adars, so thank God we still have 10, 11 weeks to Pesach, so breathe. Um, but can we find joy? Can we allow ourselves to believe that there is a way of honoring pain and loss by choosing to live and to live with joy? That there is one way of honoring pain, and that's at the beginning, and that has, you know, time and place at a yard site, um, even different times of the day where there's, we honor the loss through pain. But there's, to counter that or to elevate the pain, there's another approach, and that is joy. To bounce back and find joy. And uh, earlier this week, I was sharing with some friends that I grew up in a, in a shul, in a small little shtibel in Brooklyn, where there was quite a few Holocaust survivors with numbers on their arms. And if you asked me the first word that comes to mind about them, I would say they were joyous. A bunch of Polish Jews, I believe Polish, maybe some Hungarian, Galician, and they were just so happy. And obviously, there was incredible darkness, but there was incredible amount of joy as well. And often the people who are the most joyous, naturally joyous, I'm, I'm saying joyous without the need for intoxicants and other, other rubbish, um, naturally joyous people are often people that have seen the pain and at some stage decided to make a choice. And they made a choice that not necessarily only despite what they've been through, but because of what they've been through, they realize how precious life is and how grateful there is and there is to be, how much there is to be grateful for. And they make the conscious, proactive, courageous choice to feel joy. And this year, Adar, as we're just standing a few days before the month of Adar, I think to find joy is courageous because it's it's... Courage is going against your nature. Courage is going and doing the unobvious thing. 
And right now, many of us are not feeling joy. And it's not our natural space we go to. We're going into a place of anxiety and stress and worry and pain and sadness and grief. But there's another way. And that's what the month of others care to remind us. There's a way for. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Yatsin of Leaksfield Shul, and here we are. And the theme today is really acknowledging the pain, but finding joy. When Adar starts, we add with joy. And this year we have, because it's a Jewish leap year, um, we have an extra month. So we have a double Adar. And Labarach Rabbi used to say that when you have double Adar, you end up having a total of 60 days of the month of Adar, starting from the 30th of Shvat, which Chodesh Adar, till the end of Nisan, till the end of the second Adar, 60 days. And there's a famous halachic principle in Jewish law that, let's say you have a piece of meat that falls into a pot of milk, right? Meat and milk cannot be mixed. But if you have 60 times more milk than meat, in that scenario it nullifies the meat. It's as if the meat doesn't exist, it becomes only part of the milk, and therefore it's still kosher. Vice versa as well. So it's, it's the concept in Allah called batal b'shishim, that 160th is nullified in 60. If, it's, if there's 60 times more, 60 nullifies. So he would say that in a year like this, when you have 60 days of the month of Adar, of the month of joy, you can nullify everything through joy. That simcha parades together, simcha breaks through boundaries. Simcha, joy allows us to transcend and create miracles in our life. There are many stories throughout history of people who would come ask a blessing from a great man and the, the, the rabbi would say, or whoever was, say, sorry, I can't help you. And then this fellow would, for whatever reason, choose joy as a reaction rather than sadness and would be able to bring the miracle upon himself. And he would come back to his teacher and he would say, what's going on? You said that I'm beyond help. And he said, yes, but that was without joy. The moment you brought joy into the picture, you change the dynamics. You've now entered a different sphere. It's almost like you access a different level of reality, which allows you to bring new flows of bracha, of blessing into your life when we feel joy. Joy literally changes reality. Now, it's not silly joy. It's not immature joy. It's not reckless. It's not frivolity. It's genuine joy that comes from gratitude. A, a gratitude for what we have. Because, gosh, do, are we so easy as human beings? We're so easy to, fo to focus on what we don't have. Uh, it's a famous example of uh, it's the first e real episode in the Torah of human beings acting as humans. It's Adam and Eve, right? You know the story? God shows up to Adam and says, Nicole creates Hagentachel. You're allowed to eat from any tree you want, but from that tree, the tree of knowledge, don't eat. 
And he tells that to his wife, says, we can't eat from that tree. And the snake, the serpent shows up. And what does he do? He says, ah, rubbish. God just knows that if you're going to take from the tree, you're going to become too smart and too wise. And he seduces them, first her, and she seduces her husband to grab from the tree. So the first human beings, the first big mistake, the sin that brought so much havoc, it brought death, it brought the pain of childbirth, it brought the hard work that we needed to do to make a living. Pretty much most of the reality as we know was this cause of the sin. And what was that sin? All they could focus on was the tree they couldn't eat from. Because that's where we fail as humans. We fail when we only focus on the stresses. Yes, there are stresses. Right now, I'm, I'm talking to you currently in load shedding. And where I am right now, um, the generator didn't kick in, whatever reason. And I'm sitting in darkness. Okay, it's annoying. So right now, I'm uh, working off data. It's annoying. Fair. But I have my health, my family, a beautiful community. Sitting in the darkness right now, I am still in the top 1% of humanity in terms of, of, of privilege and blessing. I have a phone. I have data. I'm able to communicate to you through the radio waves. Now, I'm not saying I think like this naturally. I'm as human as anyone that's listening. And we, some of us more than others, we tend to fall sometimes into the self-pity mode. Some of us are better than, than others. I often joke that the most seductive emotion that there is in the human being is the emotion of self-pity. It is so, oh, it's so compelling for many. Just feel sorry for yourself. Feel like a victim. Cry yourself to sleep. Woe is me. It's so, it's such a strong thing. I mean, so much of today's politics here locally and all over the world is based on victimization. Tell people that they're a victim, make them feel self-pity, make them angry at everybody else, that there's this big conspiracy of people who are the cause of your problem. And you could solve it. I mean, the biggest tragedies of, the, of, of human history happened by convincing people that they're victims. What did Hitler do? Convince the Germans they're victims of a Jewish conspiracy. What did uh, Karl Marx do in communism and the hundred million people it killed and the amount of suffering it still causes till today? I tell people they're victims of the bourgeoisie, right? They're victims of the proletariat and the, 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 the masters of production and all the workers, they are the victims. Gosh, victimization is so powerful. So powerful. And today, even if many people are not necessarily, we're not necessarily communists or fascists, I really hope we're not, many of us do the same thing in terms of, not same thing, we go down the same rabbit hole of victimization when it comes to our own stories. Our parents messed us up, our teachers messed us up, the system messed us up, this corruption, the leadership, the this, the that, blaming our issues and everybody else. I often joke with people, I said, imagine load shedding was solved tomorrow, and potholes were solved tomorrow, and crime was taken to a lower percent. Would you be that much happier? 
Don't tell me yes, because it's not true. The human being will often find something to feel sorry for themselves. There'll always be something to stress us out. And I'm not saying this, of course, please, God, they do solve all these issues. But let's not imagine that in countries where they don't have puddles and they don't have load shedding, that people are happy. Okay, America, on the most part, currently does not have load shedding and does not have puddles. And believe me, people are not happier there. Not by a long shot. Do you see the politics there? Do you see how angry it is? And the, the, on the most part, the American government is pro-Israel. All the stuff we're fetching about locally, they don't have. But they have a whole other set of issues. Because self-pity and victimization is so compelling. But we could choose to counter that by gratitude. We could choose to live a life that sits there saying, I only get to live once. And Hashem, God, I am grateful that this is my life. Because this is still so much better than what my ancestors went through. This is so much better than death. This is so much better than what I deserve. Because ingratitude comes from entitlement. I deserve to live in this, and I deserve this. Gosh, entitlement is dangerous. God did not send us into this world with a bucket list of entitlements. He gave us some rights, right? God-given rights. But they're very basic. And the rest we have to figure out for ourselves, and we have to live with gratitude. And the challenging times that we've had for the last few years can either turn us into the most bitter people or the most grateful people, because hard times do that. Some people come from hard times bitter, and some people come out of hard times grateful. I say we choose gratitude. I'm talking to myself first and foremost. Be grateful. Yes, it's a stressful time, but there is so much to be grateful for. And if you can't think of anything, then boy, do you have a problem. If I can't think of something, then boy, do I have a problem, because that itself is the worst blindness. Ingratitude blindness is the worst blindness of all, because that's willful, and it's destructive. We could still dream. We could still hope. We could still not only hope for a different future, we could see hope in the moment we're in now. Hope doesn't only have to be hope for the present, for the future. It could be hope in the present. I, hope is a, a mindset that says I'm transcending the dark narrative and I'm choosing to see something beyond. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton of Leakesfield Shoal. No, that was not me singing, but that was uh, from Journeys. And a beautiful song that's actually quite personal and a story that is worth telling. Um, fundamentally, the song was about this person who stuck behind the Iron Curtain and his other brother is dreaming that one day they'll be let free. And eventually he is let free. And that's the story of my family. Um, my mother was born in the former Soviet Union. Um, she was number 12 of 13 kids, and her younger sister was also born in the Soviet Union. They were quite young when they got out. They got out in 1966. But her older siblings spent 
um, their whole childhood in the former Soviet Union. Three of her sisters even got married in uh, the USSR. And 13 children. It was a religious family living on the outskirts of M Moscow in a city in a town called Bolshevo. And I was talking about joy and the ability to feel joy at every moment of every day, even when life is challenging, or Dafka specifically because life is challenging. And just to give you an imagery of what my grandparents and many people of their generation went through, besides the fact that they went through World War II, the first 50, 55 years of their life, they never lived a day without fear. Why? Because both my grandparents were born in the early 1910s, um, or the late 1910s, sorry. And immediately there was the World War I, which started in 1914. And that led to the communist revolution and the persecution of the communist revolution, stories that people do not know, but the 20s and 30s was a horrible time for the people of the former USSR especially um, religious people and religious Jews. For an example, my grandmother, her, two of her brothers were arrested simply for being religious and were sh shot and killed in cold blood just for that. And my grandparents married in the late 30s, I think 1937. And not too long after starts World War II. So the first 20 years of the life is World War I and communist persecutions. And then they go to World War II. My grandfather's drafted to the Russian army. He manages to get out. And meanwhile, my grandmother escapes with some of her family. With, she, was, she currently had, at the time she had two kids and was pregnant with a third. And she, she manages to run away with some of her family. Some of her family couldn't run away from Odessa, where they were. And then the Nazis came in 1941, massacred them all. My grandfather's family, they were in Krasnostav, a small town in Ukraine. They didn't get out. And every single one of his family was murdered. Father, mother, sister, brother, um, sister-in-law, and four nephews all shot and buried some of them alive uh, in a mass grave outside the city of Krasnostav. Okay, then they managed to escape. They, they get to um, Uzbekistan. And there my, my grandparents had their oldest son, who was two at the time, um, gets, picks up typhus and malnutrition and unfortunately dies and is buried somewhere there. Eventually my grandfather finds my grandmother and they managed to stay there uh, for a few years, survived the war in terrible poverty. And then they start trying to figure out a way to leave Russia, but they can't because by the time they do, the borders are closed and they get stuck in Moscow for 20 years from 1946 to 1966. They eventually left in September, 1966. They finally got permission to leave to Israel. So just understand something. They were, my grandfather, I think, was born 1915 or 14, till 1966, till his 50s. Him and my grandmother never had a day of peace. Never had a day of peace. Because while living in Moscow during the, during the 50s and 60s, and they were practicing religious Jews, 
They were persecuted. They were shamed. They were threatened that their kids would be taken away. Many of the friends did have, uh, were arrested, etc. They went through Stalin's uh, purges. They went through the 1953 doctor's plot. You can read up all about it. Um, a vicious anti-Semitism, no food, waiting in lines for 10 hours for a loaf of bread as a daily occurrence. Um, my grandfather would be unwilling to work on Shabbos, which meant that he had to get really, really low-paying um, jobs of people that were willing to hire him for literally nothing. But yet he had 13 kids at home, besides my 14th child that, as I mentioned earlier, passed away during the war. Now, why am I telling you this? It's not a self-pity story. I knew my grandfather. He only died um, 15 years ago, 2006, 2007, maybe 17 years ago. He was a happy person. He was a happy person. He would crack jokes. He would tease. He was easygoing. He lived till his early 90s, and he was a person. If you met him, you'd think life was blessed. Because that's how those people chose to live. They lived in incredible gratitude, even though he was human. He, he had those, I mean, for 50 years, every day, my grandmother would, uh, for 20 years while they lived in Moscow, every day when my grandmother said goodbye to him when he went to work, they said goodbye as if there would be the last that she had no idea if her husband would come home. He mourned for the rest of his life the loss of his entire family. He named the child Batsheva the daughter of seven, for seven of his family members who died. He cried for them. He wrote books in their honor. Missed them terribly, obviously. As did my grandmother. She passed away when I was 13, passed away in the 90s. Also happy, forgiving, genuine, sweet people. Because that's what you do when you go through hard times. You, that's op the best option. And as it allows you to become people of gratitude. And then there's small little flats, half an, uh, 15 minutes from Tel Aviv and Bnei Brak. They lived their humble, beautiful life once they were able to get out in 1966 and raise a family. And the best part of the story is that currently, as I speak, my grandparents have over... 1,000 living blood descendants. I'm not including spouses that married into the family. My grandparents have over 1,000 living descendants all around the world. I'm just one of them. My kids I have a, a cousin who's living in Zambia. That's the Chabad Robertson in Zambia. She's my cousin's daughter. She's also a descendant. Many in Israel and all over the world. That is the outcome of a life of joy. They were able to raise 13 religious kids in communist Russia. Would give them an identity of pride. And they were able to raise multitudes. Multitudes. People all over the world, proud of who they are. The biggest revenge against Stalin and Hitler you can imagine. Because they chose joy. Because they chose faith because they really, really believed, and because they lived a life of gratitude. That's how consequential it could be. So here's how we wrap this up. This is 
few days before the month of Adar. We're going into the month of joy. And yes, we have all the reasons not to feel the love, the, the joy. But I encourage you, I encourage us all, find a way for joy. Find a way to believe. Find a way to be victorious. As if our life depends on it. Because without a shadow of a doubt, it does. Joy raises a beautiful family. Joy gives hope. Joy gives us quality of life. Because I can only imagine that one day after 120, please God, Mashiach comes long before that. When we show up to God, God, one of the first questions he'll ask us, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think is, were you grateful? Or did you spend your 120 years kvetching? And we'll tell God that it was so hard. You're right. But you only got to live once. Did you live a good life? Were you grateful for the life you lived? Did you live a life with minimum fear and maximum joy? That's what God's calling upon each and every one of us. So to finish off, here is Avram Fried with the song Linat Seach, to win, because we all need a win. This is Rabbi Levi Avtsin signing off, wishing you a great week, a week of victory and a week of joy. Have a very, very joyous week. Shabbat Tov.